When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. This is Byron O'Neill, media editor for Comic Book Yeti, and I have a very special guest to introduce today. Most of you are likely already familiar with award-winning cartoonist Sarah Anderson's work. She is a Goodreads Choice Award winner, a Ringo winner, a New York Times bestselling author, and was nominated for an Eisner Award as well. That is a lot of awards. Um, lately, Thank she's you. been working on a series near and dear to our hearts here on the Cryptid Creator Corner podcast, The Cryptid Club, which is being collected as a 112-page hardback with 25 never-before-revealed illustrations. Coming straight to your eardrums from the City of Roses, Sarah, thanks for joining me tonight. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, after the wildly successful Sarah's Scribbles and Fang series, what sucked you into wanting to kind of shift gears and start playing with adorable cryptids? Um, so I started writing this series, I believe, in March of 2020. So if you recall that time, that was when the biggest part of lockdown began. And I felt like my most isolated. And like a lot of people, I kind of turned to something I loved to keep me preoccupied. And that was cryptids. Like I had had a childhood fascination with them. and. I just went back to it and I was like researching them and, st and stuff. And I, I wrote one for Sarah scribbles that like took off. And there was just something inside me that was like, I have all this time. Like, I don't know when this pandemic is going to end. Like I might as well try to explore this world even further. Well, what does the, the cryptic club give you as an illustrator that your other series don't? I think I just, I love exploring lots of different personality types like I think for me what made Cryptid Club a bit different is that there's so many different characters and I really felt like I could write a lot about all of these individuals whereas Sarah Scribbles or Fangs there's a very limited number of characters and Cryptid Club it was like introducing myself to a bunch of friends or something it was really exciting and interesting and of course all of these characters come with a lot of lore behind them already Sure. So that was that was just exciting for me as a as a cartoonist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's what fifteen different types represented in the strip. How'd you go about selecting the the specific ones you wanted to include? Because they they range a lot from you know household names like Nessie to lesser known entities like the Flatwoods monster, which I had no knowledge of previously. Yeah, I think so. At first, it was just sort of collecting like the big names like Loch Ness. Bigfoot, 
everybody knows those. But I think when I got into ones that were just a bit more obscure, like Mothman, it kind of led me to even more obscure cryptids. Like usually you find information about cryptids like on these sites that have like black backgrounds with white text and you can keep just like keep exploring and clicking through. And I just kind of picked the ones that really spoke to me and especially the ones that I felt had some kind of personality. Like the Flatwoods monster is so such a weird character, but she she feels like very feminine to me for some reason because she's got this like hat and this dress and there was just something about her that spoke to me and I think that's that sort of quality you know something unusual that jumps out at you that's how I picked some of the other more obscure cryptids okay so when you're mm-hmm. when you're doing your illustration and you're playing with with different shapes did I sure seems like they would give you a lot more range to be able to play with and depth and that sort of thing Yeah, it was so much fun from just an illustrative perspective, because like I'm going from drawing just cartoon people all the time. And then I've got Loch Ness, which is like, you know, this, you know, serpentine shape to Flatwoods Monster, who's kind of like this weird witch-like character. And yeah, I mean, just the diversity between the characters from a visual standpoint, it was so much fun. And I, I really loved bringing it to life. So with, with Sarah's Scribbles as a platform, where you got more immediate feedback from the public, whereas with Fangs, you know, you kind of took a different approach and completed it first, if I'm understanding it correctly, before releasing it. You know, how did you approach wanting to release the Cryptid Club? I think it's actually a relief for me to write sort of privately away from social media first. And that's because the pressure can really get to me sometimes. Like if one does well and one doesn't do well, I'll like scrap the one that doesn't do well and not include it in the book or something. But I think that sort of editing process of having like the masses decide is not actually great for the creative process because you've kind of got to find your own flow and use your own instincts. So for me, it was a bit freeing to write away from social media. But of course, then when I got to share it, um, when it was all complete, it was really exciting. And I felt really um, just thrilled to be sharing it online, especially because on the Internet, there's like so many cryptid fans. There's like a whole whole world uh, that I got to share it with. So that was really exciting. Did you find that it it brought in a whole lot of new fans, you know, uh, that, that weren't familiar with your work previously or? Yeah, I think each series has definitely had like a different fan base like I feel like the fan bases between Sarah Scribbles Fangs and Cryptid Club are actually pretty different um like Cryptid Club definitely took me sort of away from the relatable comics that I think the masses enjoy and brought me more into this niche world of maybe not everybody knows what a cryptid is but the people that are enthusiastic about them like love them and so I have this whole like um new like cryptid hunter fan base and and i think that's that's really cool and really exciting so it's really cool to be able to write for different types of audiences i think well there's a lot of messaging uh, specific in the cryptid club about dealing with social anxiety i think that's something lots of people can relate to especially after we after we had all that time to ourselves and and you, you referenced kind of working on this through the pandemic and now we're expected to turn to quote normal right now that lockdown is over 
So did you start wanting to address social anxiety specifically or, or, or other different concepts? Well, I think sort of the core concept in Cryptid Club, like if I have an emotional thesis to it, is that it's about self-acceptance and acceptance through friendship because the cryptids are so unique and individual and they all have very different needs and some of them are scary and frightening. And it's, you know, I hope that people can kind of sense in the story that I'm trying to uncover the truth that is that it's okay to be yourself and you will find acceptance within the right group. So there are there are pieces of my own insecurities in all of my books, but especially Cryptid Club, like the character Sam the Bigfoot, um, his main story arc is just that he deals with crippling social anxiety. And that is very true for me. And, and, you know, not just Sam, but there are emotional truths throughout many of the characters that are very true for me. Yeah. Did you end up with an epiphany one day that the the narrative would just work by making these elusive creatures kind of social, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I had the idea of like a group of outcasts. Like that's kind of where I found my group in high school and college. It was always like the the weird kids. And I, I sort of viewed the cryptids as like the weird kids that couldn't quite fit in with like the mainstream world. So they've been hidden for so long and then they form the cryptid club to kind of support each other and they sort of see each other through that. Well, as this is less autobiographical than some of your other work, you know, is it easier for you to play in the the cryptid sandbox and, you know, kind of take it in different directions than it has been before? Yeah, I will say this was one of the easier series to write because I think partially because a lot of the characters were sort of already established. And I did have to give them more individualistic personalities. But with a character like Mothman, for example, you have these, this idea that it's like half moth, half human, question mark. And so the, the trait that I thought immediately was like, he's drawn to light. So he's obsessed with light. And that was, of course, like that came from my brain, but it also came from like the collective brain of everybody else who's made like memes about moths loving lamps. So it was kind of easy because I felt like some of the work or a lot of the groundwork had already been laid. And so I, I just took some of my own um, my own instincts and applied it to the story. And and yeah, so it, it's for me, it's easiest to write a story when the characters are already established, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It makes it way easier. <laughs> yeah. Well, over the course of working on the series thus far, um, how have the characters changed in your mind? Um, just reading it over... Uh, with the review copy myself, I had noticed that that some of them do do evolve even over over the course of of a relatively short time frame. Right. Like a lot of them have, and this is kind of true for myself as well. Like a lot of them have like one struggle that they're working on that's presented in the book. And I think maybe that's most clear with Flatwoods Monster, where she's this, you know, she's she's a series favorite for a lot of people. And I think it's because she has this very terrifying exterior but her heart is very soft and she so badly wants to fit in and for her arc that's what I really wanted for her was I I wanted her to find acceptance and she actually finds acceptance through Slenderman who is also one of the more terrifying cryptids but a lot of them sort of have one struggle that 
they're dealing with, like Bigfoot, it's definitely the social anxiety. And so when I was writing it, I really, I did want to give a sense of resolution for a lot of them, or at least an idea of like hinting towards a happy ending towards the end. So yeah, I, I definitely thought about that a lot when I was writing their art. Do you have a, a favorite one from the project yourself? Yeah, yeah. I love Flatwoods Monster just because I I just feel like she embodies like so much about modern womanhood. Like as so many women have related to the comics. And I think that's hilarious because she's so frightening. But I think there's something also about like feeling like your exterior doesn't quite match your interior. And so she's she's dealing with the fact that she lives in a world that like doesn't quite accept her, but she really she wants to overcome that and wants to be accepted. And I feel like a lot of women like relate to the awkwardness of just being like eight feet tall and like you look terrifying, you know. It just maybe it reminded me a bit of like puberty, but I just find her deeply relatable and she's she's one of my favorites for sure. Well, I, I really appreciate you writing that character on, on a personal note because um, my wife, who is not a comics person, I don't know if she's ever read a full one in her entire life. She's very supportive of me, but um, the, uh, the It Has Pockets thing, I, I sent that to her last night and it immediately resonated and she's excited about reading it now. So, Oh, yay. Tell her thank you. Yeah, that was, that comic was the most viral of the entire series. And I, I still don't really understand why. Like I wrote it and I was like, this is funny, but I don't really know why. And it became a viral hit. And I still, I don't fully understand the joke myself. <laughs> well, I, I distinctly remember the day that she actually did get a dress with pockets and being just over the moon excited about it. I, I still don't mm-hmm. get it, but like, yeah. <laughs> That's because your pants have pockets. Probably. Exactly. <laughs> well, I watched an interview of yours recently where you, you talked about starting messy, you know, with your work. Do you start with a concept in mind and mold it around a character that you want to present? Or, you know, what does your process look like? And has it changed over time? Mm-hmm. I start with the concept for sure. And my process is still very messy. So all of Cryptid Club was written on lined paper and it was written in like green marker and you know whatever pens I had laying around and that's because if I try to draw something perfect the first time I get so hung up on how it looks that I forget about the idea and when I'm first writing that initial idea is so important to just jot it down and try to make it work so it's definitely it, it starts with the concept concept it starts very messy and then once I've got that kind of on paper then I can evolve it into um into the final like digital version okay was there a cryptid that you wanted to include when you were kind of coming up with this you know either visually or conceptually that just didn't work out yes the jersey devil i just could not think of a joke something just did not connect with me for that character i would if anyone is listening i would love to see other people's take on this character but i just I couldn't I couldn't quite find a punchline for that character, even though it's a really interesting cryptid. So that is a regret I have about the book. Uh, maybe sometime down the road, it'll come to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd be remiss without asking uh, about the colors for the project. Uh, Silly, if, if we're getting that correct. You know, mm-hmm. how did how did you find her? How did how did that link up? Yeah, so I I knew the project. I knew that I wanted the project to be colored, but. I didn't quite feel like the color palettes that I usually use 
fit. And I was also running a bit low on time because I had already taken a big break from Sarah Scribbles uh, to write the series. And so I didn't want to spend another four months coloring it. So I, I was looking at a bunch of different artists and their color palettes and something about Sally's just really spoke to me, like this combination of a mysterious color palette, but it's still kind of like poppy and it's, it's like approachable, if that makes any sense. Sure. And um, yeah, so when I saw Sally's work, I was like, I really want the color palettes to reflect um, the work that they're putting out. And Sally has some amazing illustrations. So I highly recommend everyone go look at them. So yeah, I'm I'm really lucky that Sally said yes. And I, I love the final results. Like when you pick up the book and kind of flip through, the colors really pop out at you. And that's something I, I just really, really love about this, this project. Yeah. It really reminded me, honestly, of of you know the the Sunday cartoons, like in terms of sort of a, a color palette. You know, taking me back to to my childhood was was there anybody particularly when you were growing up that that maintains an an influence still that was an illustrator on your personal style and aesthetic? Oh, absolutely. Newspaper comics are where everything began for me, and I think especially Calvin and Hobbes. The choice to have my main character, Sarah, wear a striped shirt actually comes directly from Calvin and Hobbes because it's something like I thought was so interesting about Bill Watterson's work is you his use of that very like simple graphic graphic lines to kind of make the page come to life. And, you know, you don't have that much space. And so I was like, I'm going to steal those stripes. Nice. <laughs> it's a really great like little graphic element. But um, Foxtrot, for sure, you know, you're, you're talking about the Sunday colored versions. Uh, I love the colored versions of Foxtrot, especially. And then maybe my all-time favorite, uh, Gary Larson. Yes! Just, they hold up perfectly. Like, they, yep. they are still funny, and they still go viral. And he is just truly a genius. And, yeah, those guys had massive, massive, sorry, massive, massive impact on me. Yeah, I had Larson in there and actually removed it because I was like, I don't want to lead with this question. Like, oh. I want you to. <laughs> so, is uh, is the series over at this point, or is there more to tell? So, the online version is over. I have been working on a pitch for TV for the past few months, and this month I'm actually going out and pitching it a lot. So, my pie in the sky dream is that. I would I would love to make an animated series of Cryptic Club, but if I'm being honest with you and with listeners, television stuff falls through like ninety eight percent of the time. So I you know I always try and I keep my fingers crossed, but I would I would love for this series to continue. So I'm exploring different avenues like TV. So my hope is that the series will continue, but um, we will have to see what you know, what other people tell me. <laughs> well, fans like myself will help beat on the drum and, and we'll, we'll help you get there, hopefully. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm a Virgo and there's something going on with September release dates for your work. The, the first release for this series was on September 23rd, I think, for the, mm -hmm. the first one online. Bangs was released on September 1st. So what's the story? And if you say it's just Halloween, I'm going to feel stupid. 
I don't think there is a story. I think it just happens to be a good time to release books. Like I'm, I'm sad to tell you that the answer is probably more to do with marketing on behalf of my publisher than with me, like, because you release in September and then the holidays are coming up. Sure. So I, I think I'm pretty sure like that's it. Like, and it might just be coincidence. So I, I wish I had a more astrological answer, but I think it's mostly marketing. Okay. It's all good. Um, <laughs> and specific to the book, there's some some fancy printing additions to the volume as well. There's a glow-in-the-dark cover accent, right? Yes, which I'm really excited about. We worked really hard to get it to happen. So I, I really wanted the cover to like make it so that a cryptid appears in your room if you have the book in your room in the dark. And that's exactly what happens. So you shut off the lights, little glowing blue Fresno night crawlers appear. And um, that's, that's something that I'm really grateful to my editor for, for helping me make that dream come true. Awesome. So what's happening for you for the rest of 2022? Just promoting this project? Um, I have like so many things that I'm working on that I... I don't know if I can talk about, and I'm also waiting on other answers. Like for example, the TV pitches, like I'm waiting to see if other people will tell me yes. So for now, what I know for sure is that Cryptid Club will be released and I'm really excited about it. And I will probably start working on a fifth Sarah Scribbles book because I have, I've been writing more than anticipated. And I, I think it'll, it'll be time soon to start the fifth book. So um, that's coming up for sure. Awesome. Well, Sarah, thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Yeah, of course. Thanks, yeah. For, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Well, the Cryptic Club is out, well, as as of now when this drops. So make sure to snag yourself a copy of the, the Adorable Cryptids. Um, I think it's the only time in my life and probably the only time I will see aliens dabbing. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes, go pick it up. <laughs> Absolutely. This is Barn O'Neill on behalf of all of us at Comic Book Yeti. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.